Hello and welcome back to Panam, a podcast about Paris, the people who've lived here, the events that have taken place and the traces they've left behind. Today, trees, but not just any trees, the remarkable trees of Paris, which is actually a real thing. I have not made it up. It's a special status awarded to only the most deserving of the capital's leafy inhabitants. Now, Personally, I don't really know an awful lot about trees having grown up in London and then lived in Paris now for a very long time. I can tell you mm, a few trees, an oak tree, uh, a horse chestnut, um, willow. I think that's about it, really. But while doing research for this podcast, I have learnt a little bit about trees, um, which has been enlightening for me. And hopefully uh, you'll learn something, too. So I started off with just one tree in mind and then the more I got into it, actually, the more I realised there was quite a lot to say about trees. Trees have even been in the news recently, grabbing headlines, um, because of something that's been happening around the Eiffel Tower. This particular tree, uh, which was over 200 years old, has just been quietly minding its own business and was recently threatened with being chopped down by the mayor of Paris, Anne Ildigo. I mean, she didn't threatened to chop it down herself personally, but she had this big project to make the whole area around the Eiffel Tower greener and with better access for tourists and and basically getting it ready for the Olympics. And part of that project meant chopping down some trees, which seems counterintuitive to make it more green and then chop down some trees. And the Parisians were like, no, you're not chopping down this tree, especially this particular old tree. And one Thomas Braille, who is the founder of the National Group for the Surveillance of Trees, actually went on hunger strike and attached himself to the tree. The town hall backed down and said that from now on they'd take it on a tree-by-tree basis. So that's a good news for trees, although bad news for tourists because that area is really awful and could definitely do with some help. Uh, Obviously, I don't want the trees to be cut down, but I do think it could do with being uh, made a little bit greener and more organised. It kind of reminds me of how Parisians deal with most things. You know, there are people and it's a place that are known for radical change. And at the same time, they don't like anything to change. You know, when something new happens, everyone's a bit like, no, we don't want it. Like the Eiffel Tower, no one wanted it. Or the Art Nouveau metro entrances. Or the pyramid at the Louvre. And then once it's there and Parisians have accepted it, that's it. They're loyal forever. They will defend you until the death. So that tree is now a faithful Parisian, and was defended by the people of Paris. Now, Paris is actually a very tree-filled city, but it wasn't always the case. Paris changed radically, as I'm sure you know, under Napoleon III and his best friend, Baron Haussmann, who basically destroyed the old city with all the medieval winding streets, which are so charming now, and made those... Nice, not for everyone, not everyone liked them nice and straight, but basically these nice straight boulevards and wide streets. And along with those streets and boulevards and uh, lights that we learnt about last time were trees. Napoleon III had actually spent quite a lot of time in London and he was really inspired by their parks and all their greenery. Over a 17-year period, Paris saw the total number of trees nearly 
double from around 50,000 to over 95,000. Um, most of the trees that line the streets of Paris are either horse chestnut that's one that I can recognise, or London Plains. Now, London Plain trees, I, I didn't really know anything about it and I thought I'd look into them. And there's quite a lot of podcasts out there about trees, but I listened to one in particular called Completely Arbitrary um, and it had an episode on the London Plain and they're a perfect tree for a city. They're called London Plain because they were discovered in London I think they are a hybrid tree. So there was two different trees in London that got together and this one was created. But I find that a little bit confusing and hazy. So moving past that, why are they good for a city? They're good for a city because they grow really well, even in quite poor conditions. Um, not much water, lots of water, you know, whatever they're going to grow. They're nice and leafy. Uh, in summer, which is great in Paris because it gets hot and so it gives us lots of lovely shade. And they're also really, really good for pollution when it comes to pollution. Apparently, small particles collect on their leaves, which then does seem confusing what happens to those particles in autumn. I think maybe they get absorbed. I'm not exactly sure. But they're really good for pollution in various ways. So they're a perfect tree to have in Paris. There are other trees in the streets of Paris, um, but the biggest variety, of course, is in the parks. But there is a special status that I just mentioned. It's for trees all over France, but within Paris, there are 15 official remarkable trees and you can find them all on this website arb.org I'll put a link to it on my website and it's basically this volunteer association made up of some of the country's most eminent scientists botanists gardeners writers and horticulturists um, and you can tell that when you look at their website because when you click on a tree it gives you lots of confusing information uh, and no picture. So it's very difficult for me, a non-botanist, to identify them. Um, the association basically aims to promote and protect the most beautiful and important and rare trees in France with this formal label. So fantastic. Why have a list of remarkable trees? As well as protecting them and noticing what's interesting about them, I think it's a little bit like monuments. You know, we care about them and look after them and renovate them and that way they last longer and they're part of the city and part of the history. And trees are also part of the city and part of the history. So I'm really excited that there is this big list of all the trees. Although the kind of trees that you're going to find on the list will be things like the um, tallest tree in Paris, which is a sequoia in the Bouchemont in the 19th arrondissement, which is more than 35 metres tall, in case you're wondering, and more than 150 years old. There's also the widest tree, which is the Plantinus orientalis, which is in the Parc Monceau, um, and that was planted in 1814. Its trunk is an enormous seven metres in circumference for a height of 31 metres. I'm not going to go into all the 15. Some of them make it because they've got an easy to identify thing. They're old or they're wide or they're tall. And some of them, I don't exactly know what they're bringing to the table, why they made the cut or rather were not cut. Um, again, the website is clearly designed for botanists or people who understand why these trees are so important, but I'm sure... They've all got something very important to bring to us. And I'm glad that they, they've they been recognised and are on this list. Now, if 14 doesn't seem very much, it isn't. That's the official list of France. But Paris has her 
own list, separate, which is more extensive. And this one has 174 trees. And there is also an interactive list for that, which I will also link to. And they've also not only got an interactive list of 174 remarkable trees in Paris, they have a little walking tour, which they've chosen six trees or, or six spots with trees to visit. And of those six spots, two are actually official remarkable trees on the list. They've made the list. So I'm going to invite you now to come with me and go on a rather shady little walk of Paris. So our walk starts off um, in the Marais. Here we are in the lovely Marais. Um, Our walking tour, the first page has lots of facts and figures, which I absolutely love. So I'm going to give you some of those before we get going. There are apparently 100,500 aligned trees. That's what they call it on the map. And so I presume that means trees that are on the streets and so then more or less in lines rather than higgledy-piggledy in parks. There are a hundred different types of trees planted in the streets and more than 500 different types of trees in the parks. There are 647 kilometres of streets which are planted with trees and that represents 38% of the total number of public roads in Paris, which doesn't seem that much. I kind of feel that there should be more. And I think that is a plan, actually, that they do want to have more green spaces in Paris. I know that they are planning to put more trees, um, obviously around the Eiffel Tower and around the Opera, I think. And they also have a plan to renovate Notre Dame. Obviously, they're fixing it at the moment and putting the roof back on together. But they also have a plan to have lots more trees in front of Notre Dame. And that's where everyone queues up to go into the cathedral. And in summer, it is really, really hot. So that will be a welcome change. Anyway, our first tree visit today is the um, Place de Vosges. And the Place de Vosges is one of the prettiest squares in the whole of Paris, I think everyone can agree. And none of these trees are on the remarkable tree list, but it's a good opportunity to see them and uh, admire them and notice, notice some differences. So there's two types of tree in the Place de Vosges. There is the Tilule, so that's a French name. And I think that is a linden tree. I've also seen it called a tila or a lime tree. Lime tree, nothing to do with the fruit lime trees, but a lime tree. So I hope that clears that up for you. It doesn't make it that much clearer for me. But those are the trees around the edge of the park. And those are the sculpted trees. So you know that in France, they really like to cut trees into peculiar, unnatural shapes. And in here, you see they're very square. They cut them into quite square shapes. So those linden trees, lime trees, those are those square ones around the edge. And then in the middle, you've got the horse chestnut trees, which are all bushy and lovely. And so they they look great. They obscure the view across the place, but they are perfect for picnicking. So those are two lovely trees. So that's our first stop. And we're going to cross over the road and we're going to go to the tree that started this off for me. This was the tree that I discovered and thought, oh, this would be a really interesting podcast. Um, because it's got such an unusual story. So why don't we take a tree-lined route to get there and go through the Hôtel du Sali, which is just next to the Place de Vosges, and has a very nice olive tree in it. I think it's an olive tree, um, but it's not on the list. It's not one of the remarkable trees. We're going to carry on crossing over to a little place which is behind the Hôtel de Ville, the Place Saint-Gervais. 
And on that place, there's this huge church. And in front of the church is uh, an elm tree, in French, uh, an orme, O-R-M-E, tree, which doesn't look like much. It's just like a little tree, but it's got a very, very long history. So the tree is in front of a church as it would have been. And in fact, although this tree actually only dates back to 1935, there has been an elm tree here since the Middle Ages. And it symbolises several things. So for Christians, elm trees were considered sacred due to their red sap. I didn't know they had red sap. I'm learning things all the time. But this red sap, they considered to be like the blood of the martyrs. Um, so it's a sort of got some Christian religious ideas linked to it. But they would often be elm trees planted in the village centre or in front of churches. And it was often a place, and apparently also here in Paris, this was the place where people would meet and that could be for festivals or pleasant things. But it was also a place where, and this is the sentence that they've used and I've seen written again and again, where justice was rendered after mass. What does that mean, justice was rendered? I think like debts were settled and, you know, people sort of sorted things out because there's also this feeling that if you make a promise, apparently, under the elm tree, it is binding. Um, I think in smaller villages in feudal times, there might not have been courts. And so this was, I, I don't know, like a de facto place where people would meet and sort things out. But because of this, there has become an expression which is which I've never heard anyone say, but there is an expression, especially in the 17th century, so maybe it's fallen out of favour, which basically says, wait for me under the elm. Attendez-moi sous l'homme. And that was used ironically to mean an appointment that you had no intention of keeping. So if you said, oh, you know, wait for me under the elm tree, you were kind of saying, you're going to be waiting a long time because I'm not going to turn up because... I know, you want to sort out a debt or I want to give you money or there's some sort of judgment happening. And so you'd say, oh, yeah, great. You know, he can wait under the elm. So that expression was there. But simultaneously within that expression, built into that expression, is the other side of it, that if you invite someone under the elm, you're trying, you're, you've got a reckoning. You know, there's this idea that the promise can be kept, but also you're bringing it to court. You're bringing it to justice. You need to be pretty confident of what you're saying because you're like, okay, let's take it to the elm. So this elm tree now is quite small um, and you might not even notice it, but what a fantastic history. And in the neighbourhood around it, you do see some examples of elm trees. So just around the corner at number two, between number two and 14 on Rue François Miron, you can see elm trees in the wrought iron balconies. And actually in the church itself, they've also um, sculpted elm trees into some of the choir stalls, choir stands. So, I mean, for me, that is the most famous tree in Paris. You might say the celebra tree. Sorry, I just couldn't help myself. Um, let's continue. This is part of the guided walks. That was on our guided walk of Paris, but we're going to carry on across the river onto the Ile de la Cité. There's lots of lovely trees on the Ile de la Cité. There is the glycine just off uh, Rue Arcole, um, Rue de Chanoise, I think, 
which is not really a tree, Glycine, but it's on that restaurant Au Vieux Port, and it's just so, Au Vieux Paris, and it's just so beautiful, you know, when it's in flower. That's really nice. There's the lovely weeping willow at the end of the Ile de la Cité, and there's all the trees around Notre Dame, especially the cherry trees, which are in blossom at the moment and just look really beautiful. And there's a couple of spots which are mentioned on the Paris walking tour, but we're just going to carry straight over all the way into the left bank into the 5th arrondissement into the little park which is next to Shakespeare and Company and is usually pretty busy. Here is perhaps Paris's most famous tree. I'd heard of this one and when I spoke to some other people saying that I was doing this episode about trees, this is one that they knew. So this is Paris's oldest tree. It was brought over from North America and planted in 1601 by Jean Robin, who was former gardener of King Henry IV. The tree was planted in the square René Vivani. Um, it's a black locust and it's also called a Robinier fausse acacia. Um, it has been around for a really long time. And it has the scars to prove it. It's actually got markings on its trunk from bombings and shellings during World War II. And it's so old that it's nearly collapsed under the weight of its trunk. So there's been a large V-shaped cement support installed beneath it with an iron beam. Uh, and it's kind of, they've kind of tried to disguise them to look a bit like a trunk. And that's what keeps it still standing. Despite this, it is... It still has lots of lovely green leaves in summer. I mean, it looks I mean, it looks really good for its age and it's really tall. Apparently, these types of trees are only meant to grow about 10 metres and this one is 15 metres, so pretty big. Um, it was considered good luck. There was some sort of... I don't know how these things get around, but it was considered good luck to sort of stroke the bark. But it's so old and fragile that the mairie decided that they had to stop that. So in 2010, they made a little um, protective bench which goes all the way around it to stop people touching it so it's nice and safe and that is yeah the most famous tree in Paris like I said I'm not going to go on to all the 15 trees on the list and partly because I'm not exactly sure why they're so famous it's easy when you can look at a list and you can see that these ones are the tallest and the biggest and the shortest and the fattest but I do want to divert us slightly since we're here since we're in the fifth you know and go and visit another tree which is not really a tree um it's actually in the church of Saint-Séverin which is just across the road of Saint-Jacques just you know two minutes away so let's pop in we can go through the back door and this is a lovely church really nice really beautiful really interesting to visit um and we're not going to look at all the details we just want to look at the tree so at the back of the church at the back of the east side of the church this is the back entrance you have the ambulatory which is the part that sort of goes around the edge um and here there are these columns they're really interesting columns and they are all slightly different and the one in the center has got this incredible stone ribbing which makes it look like the tree like the it makes it look like a tree, but it makes it look like it's been twisted. And what's remarkable about it is that this is not one block of stone. It's smaller pieces of stone, one on top of the other. And the stonemasons were so skilled that they were able to make the ribbing match perfectly so you could create this lovely illusion. And with all these stones here at the back, sorry, all these pillars here at the back, it looks like we're in a sort of forest and you look above yourself 
And you see the sort of ribbed vaulting in the ceiling and it's like a canopy and it's really lovely. And this central one, this twisted one, which is unique in Paris, there's no others like it, is meant to represent the tree of life, which is the tree from the Garden of Eden. And so it's a really beautiful image, but it is just really remarkable. So if you are looking at the trees in Paris or disappointed that you can't go to Notre Dame, you can come over here and enjoy something else. Finally, I'm going to take us to somewhere where there's no trees, because why not? In case you were wondering, in Paris, the avenues are meant to have um, trees and the roads, the streets rather, the rue, are not meant to have trees. Um, and of course, as with everywhere, there are exceptions which confirm the rules. So, for example, you have Rue Ordinaire, Rue de Pyrénées, Rue de Tolbiac, Rue de Lesia, and Rue de la Convention. They are all lined with trees, even though they're not meant to be. But in the 9th arrondissement is the home to the only avenue in Paris that is devoid of any trees. And this is the Avenue de l'Opéra. Why does it have no trees? Well, at the end, well, at one end of the Avenue de l'Opéra, is Charles Garnier's opera, the Opéra Garnier. And at the other end is the Louvre Museum and what used to be, well, also the Tuileries, which was home to Napoleon. And so he would go from the Tuileries up to the Opéra and it's on this lovely perspective. And apparently it was Garnier, although I have read that it was Haussmann, but apparently it was Garnier that said he didn't want any trees obscuring the view of his lovely opera. And so, voila, there are no trees on the Avenue de l'Opéra. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I'll put some pictures on my website and the walking tour of the Mairie de Paris. Feel free to go and visit all 15 trees if you find out why they're famous. Let me know. I might try and investigate a few myself and report back. Um, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend, leave a review, um, and that will be great. It makes me so happy when I get nice comments from you all. And uh, Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. <laughs>